G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We're all clothed with Christ, no matter what color. We're clothed with Jesus. Romans 5 tells us that God sees us through the lens of community, how we treat one another, that we are God's new community in the world. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hello and welcome. This is Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill. Thanks for joining me. And in this episode, we continue with Pastor Jeff from his Reset series. As he reads from Joshua chapter 7, it's a message about serving God completely and speaking out against evil aimed at our neighbours, about seeing all people through God's eyes and loving them as God does. You can find all the messages in this series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let's join Pastor Jeff now for the remainder of this message. Our entire world is filled with systemic corporate evil and racism. The caste system in India. Have you ever heard of the untouchables? You can actually enact violence against a race of people in India and not be held accountable by the legal system. And there is tribal superiority, even in Africa, even in Zimbabwe, you have the Shona who make up the majority of the population. The minorities are the Indabele. When needs arise, the Indabeles in Bulawayo are shoved aside. There's no money put into social programs, into food, into clothing, into education. It's everywhere. Which makes me cringe when another part of the world points the finger at America because it's so hypocritical. We are living in a world of systemic racism and injustice. The difference is we in America are supposed to do better. Why? Because we claim to be based upon Judeo-Christian values. We say, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So while we Christ followers must repent for the sins of our ancestors, whose system to some degree we still live in, we can always rejoice in the fact that we also have ancestors who truly followed the way of Jesus, saw injustice, and lived to defeat it. In fact, Christians throughout the centuries have been responsible for major movements against injustice, attempting to right the ship when it has gone wrong. And that, in fact, is my hope today. But it begins with admitting that you and I are part of a systemic corporate evil where racism is a reality. Remember what I said, we define systemic evil or racism by saying a system that excludes and marginalizes people on the basis of race, even though most people in the system are not intentionally trying to do it. Can I just show you some of my discovery? I have probably read over a thousand pages in the last five days, and I have also met with five distinct African-American leaders in our community and church members, okay? A recent report 
tells us that the racial wage gap is the widest it has been in nearly four decades. Let me read to you a quote from Economic Indications. The wage gap today is worse now than it was 36 years ago, said Valerie Wilson, director of the liberal-leaning think tank's program on race, ethnicity, and economy. And the report concludes that having a college degree actually worsens the gap Counter to the idea that education is the key to more equal society, the quote goes on to say that while black male college students entering the workforce in the 1980s had less than a 10% disadvantage compared to whites, by 2014, similarly educated black men started their first jobs at a deficit of roughly 18%. We were making headway from the, from the years of 2008 to 2016 things got progressively worse. Now, can I point out something? With no agenda here, it happened when the Democrats were in power. Pastor Jeff, why would you say that? You had me until then. I'm trying to say to you that both parties, Republicans and Democrats, use the black community as a means to their end. But when they get into office, they do nothing about it. You say, well, I don't think a black man should get a job just because he's black. That's not what this article is saying. It's saying that if you have two people who have the same qualifications, why does the white man get the job a disproportionate amount of time? There's only one conclusion, folks. A system that favors one race over another, a type of internal bias that you may not even realize that you have, a discrimination on the basis of color. Do you know Jeremiah the prophet told us this, woe to him who builds his house without righteousness and his upper rooms without justice, who uses his neighbor's services without pay and does not give him his wages. I was amazed to learn that some of the schools in our land who claim those who stand up most loudly against racism and for equality, and yet 3%, 3% African-American applications review and accepted. 3%. Will we Christ followers have eyes to see that some of our policies, whether intentional or unintentional, will keep the black community struggling for its life? Forget about thriving. They're simply trying to, our brothers and sisters, our black brothers and sisters are trying to survive. And we, the majority are part of that system, whether we want to be or not, whether we admit it or not, and are therefore to some degree liable. This is not a political issue. It's a biblical one, but it does have political ramifications because how does the Bible address this? The gospel should help us get beyond individualism into corporate care and concern for all people. Romans 5 tells us that God sees us through the lens of community, how we treat one another, that we are God's new community in the world. So the question is, what is this community going to do to defeat systemic racism and corporate evil in our world? Especially in a democracy where we have power and voting rights and a voice. Isaiah 1 says, learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. The only way forward 
The only way is if all of us, black and white, get some sense of we together. That we in the white community must begin to see the black community as us, not them. Because you will always fight for your own. Paul said in Galatians, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Do you see what he's saying? We're all clothed with Christ, no matter what color. We're clothed with Jesus. When you refuse to help a brother, you refuse to help Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, and you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abram's seed and heirs according to the promise. Paul tells the church in Corinth, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You see, here's the problem. You're guilty, I'm guilty to a degree. We all have these vices. We got to come to terms. I've started to ask the question, if that was my son, how would I want him to be treated? And then it dawned on me, he is my son, my son in the faith. The sons and daughters in the black community, they are my children. And you say, yeah, but what about those outside the church? Then we're to be the good Samaritan. We're to pay the cost for bandaging a wound. Can I say something at the same time to this generation? Job 12, 12 says, with aged men is wisdom and in length of days is understanding. You see me as old. Okay. The Bible says that since you see me as old, that perhaps it would be wise for you to at least take note of my words. Because the only thing worse than apathy is amnesia. And violence will get you nowhere. History has shown us this again and again. Nelson Mandela knew that even though he had been punished for years, no good reason in prison. He forms the Reconciliation Commission. Why? Because he knows that violence breeds violence. That is the truth of humanity. Mandela said, you will achieve more in this world through acts of mercy than you will through acts of retribution. He also said resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Can I ask you, who accomplished more widespread change than any other leader in human history? The answer, Jesus. How did he do it? Sacrificial love. When I see policemen engage in protesters, peaceful protesters, loud protesters, but peaceful and they kneel down before them to say to them, we see you. That is the way forward. But when I see people burning and looting and violence, here's what goes through a policeman's mind. I will fight you. It is my job. It's a matter of pragmatism. President Mugabe, sorry, Kagame. Let's not get confused here. He followed suit in Rwanda and he invited people like Rick Warren and myself Rick Warren played a huge role as well, and he invited the gospel in. Why? I asked Kagami, why the Christian worldview? And the answer is because Christianity has the worldview of equality and reconciliation, something you do not find in worldviews. But the question is, even though we find it in theory, do we find it in practice? 
It worked in Rwanda because the Christ followers began acting it out. Unfortunately, it was after the fact. There has to be a great repentance. We have to acknowledge our sin of apathy and non-action if we hope to transform the nation. But I tell you, I am shocked when I hear people that I respect think that you can change anything with violence. (laughs) What I say now, I say with the utmost concern and love, looting and burning buildings just confirms the prejudices of many of your enemies. Protesting injustice by destroying another life and another business that's in your own community is nonsensical. That's like blowing up an abortion clinic because of the injustice of murder. So let me get this straight. You murder to protest murder. Why on earth would you destroy the businesses of people who've experienced just as much injustice as you have? Violence never compels to a cause. It repels. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, in spite of temporary victories, violence never brings permanent peace. You may feel good about yourself in the short run, but in the long run, you've done more damage. He also said that we must not allow our creative protest to degenerate into physical violence. Yelling, good. Screaming a little, yeah. Anger, I think so. Violence, never. And I'm not saying this to judge anybody's heart. I'm saying this out of pragmatism. You will not achieve your goal because the only thing worse than apathy is amnesia. And the good news is we live in a democracy. Most of us don't realize the voice that we have. Our vote is a powerful thing. We must take a good look at our local government, our city councils. We must persuade them. We must elect leaders who will direct funding toward infrastructure, not merely welfare. James 1, says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Hearing is just not enough. Action has to be taken. Okay, Pastor Jeff. All right. Let me think about this. This is a lot for me to, uh, to kind of digest, but, but what are you suggesting we do? I'm glad you asked. Number one, use your voice and your vote to bring change, please. Speak up when you see injustice. Vote for local leaders who will address a broken social injustice system. Demand that they do. Let them know we're watching. We see you. Two, can you just admit your bias, your implicit bias as an employer, as an employee, as a neighbor? Can you do some serious introspection? Can I tell you something that just happened recently in our own church? And I don't do this to shame anyone. I do it to hope that this can be a new day. We can change recently a Bible study in our own church, in one of our home community groups, there was a Bible study occurring. There was a, an African-American male who pulled up in a car outside the Bible study. He was there because he was the father of one of the young girls picking her up after the study was completed. Some of the people in the house called the police because there was an African-American man in a car waiting outside on the street. No, not on our watch. Come on, we're better than this. It's time. Don't get defensive. By the way, again, do you know why we get defensive? Because we hate racism. We love our country. We can't stand the thought that racism is systemic and we're embarrassed. But it's not enough. 
We have to do something. Pastors complain religiously, no pun intended, about people who come into the church and they praise God, and they shout, and they have a good, feel-good experience. And then as soon as they walk out, they go back to their old way of life Monday to Saturday. The black community is weary of seeing us go to movies where we celebrate the defeat of racism, but when we walk out, no change, nothing's different. Can you admit your bias? Can you use your voice? Can you practice hospitality to your neighbor? We have members of the black community in our church and we are growing by the week and I am happy. Can you practice hospitality? Can you invite our brothers and sisters from the black community into your home and get to know them and listen to some of the issues and some of the problems so that we may be made aware so that we can have equal treatment for all our brothers and sisters in Christ? Can you practice hospitality to your neighbor? Four, can you deal with the wickedness in your own heart? Can you realize sometimes you have the tendency to say, you know, my life's going well. You know, I don't really need all this pressure. I got enough pressure. Can you deal with the wickedness of apathy? Do you know the verse that we've used often is to whom much is given, much is required. You and I as white people have definitely grown up in a system that favors us. The sin is when we don't use the favor that we've been given, the responsibility that comes with it to speak on behalf of those who are not being heard. If you really love your son and daughter, if they have no voice, you will speak on their behalf. The virus we need in America is the one that spreads every time we get near each other. The virus of love, mercy, and justice for all. I've been wondering, is this God's wake-up call to us? Has God perhaps permitted the virus and the racial turmoil to show us that we will not be able to survive as long as we are apart? You know, John Wooden, an amazing coach, said that your day is not complete until you do something for someone who cannot repay you. Will you speak for those who have no voice? Our schools, our universities, our politicians, our social programs, our justice system has let our brothers and sisters down. Let it not be said in the coming generation that the church let the black community down as well. One final thing. There are so many people talking about social injustice right now. That's a good thing, but you know what's bad? There's so much smugness and self-righteousness in their attitude. Yes, we Christians must get alongside people and listen. We have a broken criminal justice system. In fact, I personally believe that the hatred toward police is systematic of a great problem, a disease, and that is the justice system needs overhauling. There are so many good policemen and women who are part of that system, and it's broken, and it's putting them in harm's way. Unfortunately, an awful lot of people who talk about systemic racism are incredibly self-righteous. I can't believe what I'm seeing by this generation. What's it called? Cancel culture? 
In other words, if you don't agree with me and everything I say, and I do mean everything, then go away. I'll defriend you. I'll put you out of my social media site. You know what that's called, right? When you do that, that's called a dictatorship. When you remove anyone who disagrees with you, do you realize what you're doing? You're discriminating against someone who's not like you. You're doing the very thing that you say you're standing against. And where is the dialogue if we don't do this? If we separate ourselves, if we only flock together with birds of the same feather, how on earth will we hear one another? How can we move forward? Be careful. Perception matters. I had coffee with a friend, a couple of friends of mine this past week. Now, I don't necessarily agree with everything that we talked about. In fact, uh, in one case, I believe that there's a little pie in the sky going on of how you think things operate. However, we were able to learn some things from each other, iron sharpening iron. One of my friends that I have a great respect for looked me in the eyes and I thought he was about to cry. And see, that speaks volumes. He wasn't angry. He was deeply wounded. And he said, Pastor Jeff, so far your words are not enough. There needs to be more. When he said that, I thought of Mother Teresa. The year she spoke at the Harvard graduation and this old wrinkled, dressed in white Albanian woman decided she would talk about abstinence to Harvard grads and they booed her. How do you boo Mother Teresa, right? What they didn't know is waiting behind the columns were some children that have Obviously, they were older now, but they had been rescued by Mother Teresa on the streets of Calcutta. When they heard the booing, they thought the speech was over and they were there to surprise her after the speech. So they came running out onto the stage and she knelt down in the middle and she loved and hugged and they hugged her, at which point the Harvard grads gave her a standing ovation. Why? Because they had seen her hands. My friend's comment reminded me until... The black community sees my hands. My words are useless. And then I remembered the words of Martin Luther King Jr. who said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. And that's why I preach this message this weekend. To the black community, to my brothers and sisters, I say, Please stay. We love you. We see you. You are our family. Father, I pray that this message as it goes out will be heard. That the words will be judged by a heart that people know. If there's anything that I've said that's been offensive, I pray the Holy Spirit will use these words to convict where conviction needs to take place, to forget where there needs to be the process of forgetting. And grace, that we would not miss the bigger point, that we have brothers and sisters in our community that are suffering, that are struggling. And may we move beyond flowery language into acts of service. May we stop by the side of the road, listen to the story, and bandage the wound. 
in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.